fight. Three, two, one. Welcome to Arcade Attack. <laughs> A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Sonic Boom! Big Bad Geek! Welcome listeners to another Arcade Attack podcast. But I've given Adrian the week off, so it's still in here. Um, look, we're in our new studios. We've got new things. We're doing more video content. I know you guys on the audio and your stuff won't be able to see me, but everyone on YouTube, here I am. Hello. Um, so before I crack on with today's uh, interview, uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to our patrons. So this is StreamYard that I'm using right now. And this is all because of the guys who are back in, who are now back in the show. So, in no particular order, um, I'd like to give a shout out to Jake Rawlinson, Rich Pemberton, Andy Endeen, R. Andy, uh, Arcade Attack, uh, Andy Smith, okay, a lot of Andys, um, Matt Harris, uh, Jeremy Rutz, uh, Tor Melkovic, uh, Stuart Monroe, Shane Dowling, Dave Holloway, Artin Wilson. Okay, most of uh, Arcade Attack still sponsor most of our show. Uh, uh, Stewie, hello, mate. Um, Henrik, uh, Lada Vogid, hope, hope I've pronounced that right. Uh, James McDonald, Dave Hart, uh, Michael Needs, Charlie, also Arcade Attack Charlie, uh, um, Michael Locke, and Rick Waldron. So thank all you guys. Um, you know, this kind of stuff is what you're paying for uh we could do some headsets and some other things and potentially to like improve our sound and stuff so you know if you're ever thinking of if you want to you know support the show then please patreon.com uh, forward slash arcade attack uh and then yeah check out the rewards and things and then hopefully we'll get you on board so this week uh anyone who knows me or anyone who's been paying attention to the podcast will know that i love video game magazines they are the thing that that kept me going uh, when I was younger. And there was one in particular, one in particular, uh, Sega Power. So our American viewers, listeners won't know much about it. But over here, it was, I think, the longest running Sega magazine. My guest will confirm that in a minute. Um, and it was the best. For me, it was the best. I look forward to it every day. Uh, I first bought it in 91, I think, on the Isle of Wight. Because I needed a pair of sunglasses, they pair. They gave away free stuff on the front, and there was a, like Electronic Arts sunglasses. And I was, oh, they're cool. And uh, oh, there was like a big picture of the alien or something, or predator or something on the front. I was like, oh, okay, I'll buy that. And then yeah, I was hooked from that moment on. I was hooked on that magazine. So it's my pleasure to introduce one of the editors of said magazine, Dean Mortlock, to the show. Welcome, Dean. Hello. How you doing? <laughs> not too bad, so not too bad. This is a whole see see how I just brought you in expertly. No, this is professionalism. It's incredible. It's it's a whole level, a new level of professionalism. <laughs> well done. I'm glad. See, we have to we have to like, you know, our guests, we have to impress our guests first and then everyone else can come second. Yeah, but, I'm impressed, definitely. <laughs> but welcome to the show, Dean. Welcome Thank to you. the show. Um Sega Power. 
Mm. Amazing, amazing magazine. So how long did you actually work at the magazine? Well, all, all in total, it's about six years. Wow. Um, yeah. Which is quite a while. Um, I started, uh, it had been about July, gosh, let me think, July uh, 1992. Wow. So it'd be, yeah, and it'd be 30 years next July. Um, that is I, happy anniversary for next year. And I stayed to the bitter end. Obviously, we relaunched at Saturn Power, and then yeah. we did 10 issues of that, and then obviously that was, it was no more. Nice. Um, so when were you actually the editor of Sega Power? So it was sort of towards, was it the mid-90s? These sorts uh, of uh, yeah, um, I'm trying to remember exactly when it was, really. It was, it was, it was towards the end of, the, of, the, of, the, of Sega Power's life. It was kind of at the point where everything was Saturn only, really. There was, there was mm-hmm. an awful lot of Mega Drive stuff coming through. So um, we kind of made the decision to, to change it to Saturn Powers cause it, and just focus purely on that. So I, I, think I, did, I think I did about three or four issues. I mean, somebody, somebody could certainly prove me wrong because they, they, they probably got a better memory of it than I have. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I did, we did a few, and then it kind of um, – it was my girl really at the start. I thought, well, I want to relaunch the Mag. I want to put a demo, a demo disc on the front. Nice, yeah. Um, and just kind of you know make a bit of a splash, and and, and obviously uh, yeah, that was that was the plan anyway. <laughs> that was the plan. Um, so Saturn Power, I think, lasted about ten or eleven yeah. episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll come to the demise of the Saturn in a moment. But mm-hmm. so from that moment, so that moment yeah. when Saturn Power ended, and this moment now, we are launching a new magazine. Mm-hmm. There you go, listeners. This is something for you to get your sink your teeth into. So you're coming back with Sega Powered. So this yes. is going to be an all Sega, retro, new. Yeah. I've had a look at the preview. It looks fantastic. Oh, Why now? What what has led in the last sort of 20, 25 years, what has led you to this point? Blimey. That's a, that's a really good question. I'm trying to think of a way to answer it. Sure. Um, I've stayed in publishing. I've, I've done uh, a lot of things since Sun Power closed. I worked in as freelance for a long time, working on, on a lot of games magazines. Um, mm. and, and thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, to cut a long, probably quite boring story, quite short, though. Basically, um, I got to know Paul Monaghan from Maximum Power mm-hmm. and Mark yeah. from Sega Mags, yeah. both of whom have an incredible knowledge of everything Sega-related. Mm. Um, I also got to – I got back in contact with uh, Neil Randall, who used to work on DC UK. Um, and a few other mags and edge and other things like that, and also has an incredible gaming knowledge and is obsessed with Japanese shoot 'em ups and, and uh, Japanese RPGs. And those has an encyclopedic knowledge of all of them. Nice, um, useful. And it was also kind of spot. It was it was it was having a team together for starters. And I, I, t- I talked mm-hmm. to Paul for some time, probably two or three years now, mm-hmm. since because I, I was on his podcast as part of the Sega Power team, um, mm-hmm. probably about four years ago. And since then. Um, we've kept in regular contact. And I've always said to him, you know, we should probably try and do a magazine. But it was getting the getting to the point when it actually all fitted together and then it fitted into place. Um, he started working for a media addict, mm-hmm. um, and it was doing quite well. And we could see it was doing quite well. And I said, look, you know, clearly there is a market for independent mm-hmm. games magazines. And obviously Ninty Fresh was doing well, uh, Switch Player, and all those mm-hmm. other titles have been out. Um, and so we said, okay, well, let's give it a go. Let's, let's, let's try it. And it kind of that's when it started. So it's kind of May, May this year, I guess. Sometime, some point in May. Wow! So it's only taken about 
five months to put together the first first preview and when would the first issue actually be i know you've got the kickstarter running at the moment but when you plan to have the first sort of issue proper out there november so we're going to keep it quite open-ended in it's sometime in in the month of november wow it's not likely to be early november it's more likely to be later but um we kind of thought well if the campaign's going well um Mm -hmm. then obviously we can obviously see it's going to get funded so we can start a little bit early we don't have to wait until the campaign's over yeah so um clearly it's, it's doing very well it's only been on for 24 hours and it's it's we're kind of like 70 percent of the way there that's amazing that's really good it's incredible actually to be honest it's much better than i ever thought possible <laughs> um so we're, we've already started we've done a lot of planning we kind of know the features that are going in um and we've got a kind of rough idea of the, the structure of the first issue um, what's going on the cover and what the cover feature is going to be and other things that we've got in there. So it's just a case now of kind of, well, we, we're concentrating on the, on the Kickstarter initially for the first few days, certainly. Yeah. Obviously a lot of people have comments, people want to know about it and people are putting up on groups saying, what's this, what's all about. So we're making sure we get to them as soon as we can, just to let them know. So, um, and then, so yeah, I guess imagine next week we'll be, we'll be taking the first steps. That's amazing. Issue. That is amazing. I know. I know, I know. So that would be this. That would be th- when this is released. That would be this week. So yeah, there we go. So just in case people need uh, to get perspective, um, but it's very exciting. You know, it's very exciting. Is it about trying to harness the kind of um, the feeling of those mags? So is the writing? Is it all kind of because you know? I don't know if you mentioned. Um, I think you might have mentioned it, but Sega Mania mm-hmm. is coming at the moment. One thing I really like about that magazine is that the writing and the way they approach it, it's slightly tongue in cheek. You know, it's like, okay, this is a review, but, you know, we'll say what we want kind of thing. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's something I've given an incredible amount of thought into, actually probably way more than I probably should have done. But, again, it's it's difficult because when we were younger, in our 20s doing Sega Power and all the other mags, I mean, the audience were in their teens. So yeah. a lot of them were casual gamers, and you could be mm-hmm. kind of flippant and silly, and people loved it. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's slightly different because, obviously, the audience has grown up, and the people that are... Mm-hmm still in the Sega world and still collecting and still playing and still looking for magazines to buy, they're mm-hmm. a little bit more hardcore. They're not casual. They're, they're dedicated. They've been doing it for 30 mm-hmm. years. They're, they're committed. Yeah. So we'll be funny. We'll, you know, we'll aim to kind of entertain as well as inform. But um, it, it, the idea it is a bit of a problem trying to obviously trying to, trying to find that balance because when mm-hmm. I first started reading Sega Power, I was nine years old. Yeah. And that writing and that, you know, the, the kind of what I think, I think Andy was the editor at the time, what mm. that, you know, what that kind of meant to me and how easy it was to read, how easy it was to pick up, mm. you know, how, you know, and it was, was that even your demographic? I mean, I suppose when you were setting out, you know, when you're starting out at Sega Power, did you think, oh, well, you know, kids going to like primary school, they're going to be reading this or, you know, kids going to high school, going to be reading this or. Yeah, well, we had a pretty good idea because obviously Sega, we always work close. We've always worked closely with Sega on, on the mag, and, and they obviously told us because they knew exactly where their demographic was. They knew the, the, their audience and uh, the male female split pretty accurate, and they knew the rough age groups of of the game, people that were playing the games. Because obviously, people there were people that grew up with things like the Spectrum and the, the, the computers. Mm-hmm. But having said that, a lot of people were very new to gaming. It was there was no loading, there was no tapes. It was just you, you mm-hmm. turned it on, stuck a card, and turned it on, and off you off you went. So yeah. there's that instant playability. So that is immediate attraction to a lot of younger players. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we used to get obviously get a lot of calls and letters and stuff, and it was generally kind of yeah, it was younger younger 
sort of like you said, nine, nine upwards, nine, ten, twelve, that kind of age. Um, yeah. So you can be a bit silly, and they'll kind of find it funny, and you know, we couldn't, <laughs> but we couldn't, we couldn't be that. We couldn't have that kind of editorial tone now. It wouldn't. It just wouldn't work. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's trying to find that balance. But so in in a standard issue of Sega Powered, yeah, um, what are the kind of the features and things that anyone who wants to sign up to the Kickstarter? I, I saw one. I mean, the one that takes the one that appeals to me the most is probably the six month the six month subscription, guys. You know, thirty quid. Come on, get on that. Uh, but in those six months, you know, in those issues, you know, what what can we expect to see? You know, in one of those. Well. Um... We're going to keep it to very much a standard magazine format. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to have a new section. Um, there's still quite a lot of stuff going on uh, yeah. in the whole Sega world. Aside from the fact, obviously, they are still producing games and they're still producing games on a regular basis. We just had Super Monkey Ball out, mm-hmm. um, which we'll be covering in the first issue. Um, nice. And obviously, there's things like Intrepid Izzy, which is a fantastic, lovely little platform, which I'm sure you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Obviously, there's not so much as there used to be, but there is still there is still some new stuff. So there'll be a new section, there'll be features. Um, there will be what we call the re-review section. Um, oh, yeah. Is, which is basically, we, we take a, the old games and we, we don't just do a kind of standard review. We say, say okay, mm. well, this game's however many years old. Mm. You know, imagine you're just picking it up fresh after so many years and you're putting it in and playing it. Does it still play right? You know, is it still playable? Is it? You strip away the graphics, which obviously aren't up to modern day standards, but is mm-hmm. it still a game that you want to play again and again and again? Mm-hmm. And one of my favourite Saturn games or Sega games of all time was Sega Rally. Yes, and I hadn't played it for a few years, and I, and I loaded it up, and it's like, no, this is still as fantastic to play yeah. as it was twenty mm-hmm. odd years ago, mm-hmm. because it, it because its core element is the gameplay, which has mm-hmm. remained obviously unchanged. Yeah, so that, we're going to be looking at that. We'll be pulling it apart. We're going to be lots of box outs. So it won't be hundreds and hundreds of words on, on, on the game because most people will already know exactly what it is. It's just a case of, mm-hmm. well, okay. And we'll do, every team member will do a review. Mm-hmm. So there'll be one main person who does a body copy, but each other other team members will do a small, um, just while well, I played it again, just so people get an idea. There won't be an overall score, but each team member will do a score out of 10. So yeah. we kind of leave it like that, really. Um, we're going to bring back the top one and Sega Power did towards the end of its life. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to, suggest 10 or 20 or we're going to split up into various categories um and just say these are these are games that i think you know you should, we think you should definitely play very good yeah a, yeah it's a good thing with sacred power because people used to read writing a lot used to say how can you dare put this game at number one it clearly must be this <laughs> game it's like mm, it's, it's, it's great That's your, you know people are allowed to have opinions you know absolutely absolutely <laughs> um so the features will be a mixture of kind of uh, there'll be regular ones, which we'll do kind of every every month, mm. um, which will be kind of the same standard format, but just different copies. So it'll be things like, I don't know, guide to shmups or guide to first-person games or guide to mm-hmm. this. And we'll, again, we'll pull them apart and do things like that. Um, we're going to do some interviews. Yes. Um, developer interviews and also sort of name, sort of well-known names. We've got a really good one lined up for issue one. Can you tease any of them now? Are you allowed to say or not? Um, no. <laughs> well, um, I don't know actually. Um, I'll just I'll just say the person that we're going to interview for the first issue currently has a Kickstarter campaign running at the moment as well for something oh, okay. that they work on. 
um, which good. is which which is um, something that's very much in the spirit of the kind of games magazines of the day. And he's somebody who's very well known for doing a certain uh, televisual thing that was. Very oh popular. yeah, well I think uh, yeah I think our British listeners um, slash viewers might. It's, might it's, it's a very British thing, and um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's, he's somebody I, I, I've known from the, the past. Yeah, um, he's a great character. He's a great writer. He's a lot of fun. So it's it's yeah. something that I'm looking forward. to. I think to. I actually backed that Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you're talking about? You can't not really because it's just <laughs> such a great idea. It's yeah, so it is. It is. Um, it is. We, we won't say anymore. We won't say anymore. Hopefully, that's just tantalised people enough that they're just going to go and check it out now. Um, um, so we'll, we'll do some. We'll do some more light-hearted stuff. We'll do kind of. We're trying to do something a bit more fun, but we'll also do kind of something a bit more wordy. Yeah. Um, just a kind of mixture, really. Um, I have to ask you. I know that yeah. sounds brilliant. I have to ask you. In Sega Power, one thing I think I thought was hilarious was you had pictures of you guys like lying around sometimes, or just looking a bit zoned out, <laughs> and just a really sarcastic like description. I'd be like Dean sitting on a sofa eating some popcorn or something, you know, something stupid like that. Are you guys going to bring that? Bring that in? You know, Paul, Paul like straddled like on the floor or something. You know, something. something. Funny. We haven't really gone that far down the road yet to, to kind of really go into detail. Um, so, so possibly, yeah. I mean, it kind you've of. Got to do it. Yeah, you've got to do yeah, it. Yeah, the way it will probably imagine it will go is the first few issues we'll try different things and see what people think. Yeah. So, and if everyone says that's ridiculous, don't do that again, then we obviously will. <laughs> but if people think it's funny and they enjoy it, then obviously it'll become a regular thing because it is it is a difficult matter to get right, but we will yeah. get it right. But it might take a couple of issues to kind of get the tone exactly how we want it but you know yeah well it's in capable hands i mean you know everyone's everyone's here who's involved with it i think it's going to be a great project uh the link to the kickstarter will be in the show notes or is in the show notes guys so yeah please go check it out um so yeah sega powered that's yes. gonna be great uh, sega power so yes. many all those many moons ago how did you even get started? I think it's got something to do with Andy Smith. I'm just I'm I'm trying yeah. to remember because I did do a little bit of research before before the podcast. But how did you actually get involved with Sega Power in the first place? Well, before Sega Power, I worked uh, for Paragon Publishing, mm-hmm. um, who at that point were based in Trowbridge, in Wiltshire, and um, I was working before that. I was working in a pub, um, King Gamer, but not not necessarily any experience. Mm. And I walked into a job centre in Trowbridge, and I think as Andy did, I walked into that same job centre, not obviously a few years later, yeah. and, and it just said staff writer wanted for video games magazine. I thought, well, that's clearly a dream job that I'm never going to get. No. I'll go for it anyway. Yeah. And I went for it, and I got it, and it was um, working on the first two issues of Console Excess, which was mm-hmm. a Sega, t- a Sega and Nintendo Tips magazine. So it's doing yeah. massive guides and walkthroughs and, and maps and levels and everything like that. It's great fun. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. Um, but they were moving to Bournemouth. I didn't want to move to Bournemouth. I wanted to stay in the area because my friends and family were all in, in Wiltshire and Somerset. Mm-hmm. So I had a friend who worked at Future, and I said, if you hear of any jobs, um, can you let me know? Yeah. And he obviously saw Andy and, and, and heard that you know, there was a job on Sacred Power, and Andy Smith rang me in the office and said, would you be interested in coming in for an interview? And I did, and, and the rest, as they say, was, was his job. So, yeah, it's it very straightforward. It's kind of... And I went to the interview with Andy, and we didn't. I don't think we. I think we spent about two minutes talking about the job, and then the rest of the time talking about, I know, pubs and nightclubs and everything else. Just kind of, you know, it wasn't just Sega or Nintendo. It was like Duke's Head or Nag's Head. Where you know, where would you rather yeah. go? Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. fair enough. Um, so, were you a Sega boy back in those days? I mean, when you were playing video games, I mean, what you know, 
you can you can say now. I mean, it's been you know twenty five uh, no, years no, since. Um, well, I had played them, and I liked them, but I had an Amiga, so I was playing things on the Amiga. Ah, good man. Yeah. Um, and so that was my machine of choice, and, and it was kind of a case of, well, I've got the Amiga, and I can play pretty much anything I want to play, so I, I was happy with that. Mm-hmm. But I could, I, people were, my friends around me were starting to get Mega Drives, and I was thinking, mm-hmm. and they clearly liked them, and the games were, it was just designed better for sort of arcade games and platformers and shoot em ups, and you thought, mm-hmm. well, that's kind of, that's clearly where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, when it went, you know, when it was uh, when I got the job, it's a case of taking the Mega Drive and my system home for the weekend and a big stack of games and getting up to speed playing sort of Desert, uh, Desert Strike and <sighs> Alex. It was, it was it literally was a dream job. It was it was unbelievable. I was like, I I can't believe I've got this job. It is literally the best job in the world. Wow. Do you do you remember the the first couple of games you covered for Sega Power or was um, or S as it was known? But do you remember what what you covered? Uh, yeah, it was uh, New Zealand Story in Mass Systems. First game oh, that's a good one. Great. It's a really good game. That is a really um, good game. Yeah, that was one of my favourites actually growing up. So. I think the first issue I did was the Green Dog one. I think that's the first issue I did. It was, it was around yeah. the t- yeah, it was around the time of the, the, the alien, when you mentioned the alien one with the, the sunglasses. I think it was a couple after that. It was one or two after that because it wasn't long after I started. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and it was kind of I can't remember exactly I can't remember exactly what it was after that, but it was I think it was a Game Gear game, and, and in those days we had a, a setup on the um, for the Mega Drive Mass system where you connected them up to the computer, and you could do screen grabs yeah. on the on the on the on the Macs, yeah. but not not the Game Gear. What you had to do was you had a, a box, you had you, you had it running through a TV. Connected they always the look slightly overexposed. I was going to ask you actually, yeah. that the screenshots always look slightly. Slightly lighter than than you would have liked. Well, it's literally taking a photo because you'd, you'd have it on the TV. Put, well, it's like one of those antique, you know, the cameras with it, and you'd literally put a hood over you as well. Oh my so god! You'd be sat there trying to play it and then yeah. photograph it. It was it was a nightmare, which is why they were in the nineteen nineties or the nineteen hundreds. You know, you know. <laughs> yeah, pretty that much. sounds brilliant. I mean, that that just sounds like our dream. You know, big stack of games, take some consoles home. You know, yeah, you were living course, the dream. And of course, you get all the games released so that they will just turn up and yeah. you say, you ring up the PR person and say, oh, you've got so and so coming out. And go, oh, yeah, the review code's ready. And they send mm-hmm. it along. And, you know, it, it was, yeah. It was, it was, was yeah. it quite an exciting thing? I mean, obviously, you know, you know, you were covering these games. And then was, you know, were there any sort of times that you were like really excited for a game mm-hmm. that you couldn't wait, you, you know, to wait to get your hands on? You know what was what was the biggest actually of those? What were like the what was the biggest one that they gave you that they trusted you with? Well, Sonic Two was probably the biggest one. Wow, that obviously yeah. came out a few months after I I joined. Um, so that was obviously big a big deal. Really, yeah. anything Sonic was always a big deal, and you had to be very. I had to go up to the offices and review it and 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 play it in the offices. Um, so That's they left amazing. me. Yeah, so I was in Sega's office uh, playing it. I could, I could stay as long as I wanted to. I stayed there all day playing it. Um, but it, it, we couldn't take the code away. There wasn't enough code to, to give out to people. So it was a case of having to in the office. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, fundamentally, um, especially more so in those days, I think, certainly, gamers were hired to work on the magazines rather than mm-hmm. uh, journalists. Yeah. So people were hired because they had experience and a passion for games. And, of course, if you have a passion for games, that just comes through in the copy and, and you can clearly mm-hmm. tell when somebody's just doing it because it's a job or when they're doing yeah. it because they really love the, the medium. So, you know, so, you know, somebody from Mega would come down and say, oh, we've got this code, and, and you'll sit around the screen and, and whack it in. 
and you sit with them and get really excited about the new stuff. And mm-hmm. at lunchtimes, we'll play EA Hockey and Madden. You know, and, and then it evolved to sort of pro Evo soccer and everything like that over the years. And, yeah. But you'd walk through the future offices um, when kind of um, PlayStation 2 era. And on every uh, every magazine uh, TV, there was be pro Evo being played at lunchtime. Too. It was just, oh, it was just, that's a great game. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was, you never can't, sometimes the job was hard work. Sometimes you got a bit fed up with it. But you never lost the passion for the actual subject. It was always kind of because there, there was always something new coming up that was worth talking about or interesting. Mm-hmm. That people you knew that people would want to see, and you would always yeah. battle for the excuses for you know the, the other mags, and um, you'd always get the other issues and meme machines and things like that. Oh, they got that game. I mean, really, you, know, you get. Was there? I mean, there was always a, there was always a perceived rivalry with those magazines growing up. You know, you'd have right. like. Little barbs by you know me Rashid Sager and you know was was there you know obviously you wouldn't have gone to the same kind of shindigs and things was there a bit of rivalry did you want to get you know well you know run up on those guys was it was it that important or you just were you know sticking to just sort of getting getting what you needed off your desk um, no not really I mean it was on a professional level you might have a little dig at each other in the magazines but you know we we did we used to meet up at these events and you know you'd, you'd have a chat about anything else, you know just. I never saw any of it anyway. It was always kind of very friendly because you're all kind of in the same boat, really. Obviously, you're kind of doing the same thing. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Like, we've, mm. we kind of started out thinking, well, you know, we've got to be this and this, that, and the other. But it actually helps that we all cover this kind of same thing and we all share the same listeners, the same, you know, the same viewers and everyone. So we can, you know, we all do different bits of retro gaming and we, I think we all kind of complement each other quite well. So you've got people mm. like the Retro Hour and Maximum Power Up do more like interview type things and we'll just sit around having a beer talking rubbish about sonic and you know that's our thing and that's you know that's where we kind of sit in this whole thing but with with the magazines someone you know sometimes i could only afford like one one or two mags so mm-hmm. i'd always get sega power and then if my local news agent had run out i'd maybe go me machine sega or mm-hmm. sega pro but you know sega power was always the one i looked to get oh. but so i'm you know i'm you know you guys should have had a bit of a rivalry, really, because you know you were fighting over my pocket money. At the end of the day. <laughs> Literally, yeah, we're, we're walking behind you with you know trying to grab your <laughs> pockets. I mean, it was the sunglasses that that wrote me in. I think um, I saw on uh, Keith, one of our one of our lot, sent me a picture as soon as I said I was going to chat to you. He sent me a picture of uh, a page of the Sega Power uh, Annual. I think it was must must have been ninety three, ninety two, ninety three, and it mentions that you're the editor of some one of the sort of the add-on books and oh, things yeah. that go with the Sega that is that how you got into editing at Sega Power? Did you I've forgotten what book it was precisely to be honest with you. Um but you were editor of that supplement. We did, we did a couple. We did the um uh we did a really groovy tips book and we did the and there was another it was a Yeah I remember that one. Yeah. Um and then, then we, we there was supplements and stuff. Um it was. It was. It was. It was. It was. Most, usually, obviously, when when you work on a mag, it's it's a natural progression. It's up to editor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't long after being on the magazine that I thought that's what I want to do. I want to be the yeah. editor. I want. That's the job I want. I didn't want to be a publisher or anything like that. I just wanted yeah, to yeah. be an editor. I wanted to have the control of the mag. I wanted to be able. To, I just wanted that. You know, to be able to have a, a, a real input into the way it was. It was going. So I just I just kind of worked up towards it really, and, and you yeah. know things would come up, and like say, literally, it was a case of supplements would come up, and we'd go, "Well, can I leave that with you?" And you'd go, "Yeah," and you can you planned it all out like a mini map, really. So mm-hmm. eventually, they think, "Well, okay, you did an okay job with that." Then we'll give you a bit more responsibility, and 
you know, eventually you end up in the, in the yeah. hot seat. Were they quite were they quite nice about that? Obviously, you had the Andes that that edited the the mag. Were they quite you know go on then Dean you can go and do it or were they a bit like whoa oh he's trying to steal my job he is you know <laughs> what's going on there? No, they, we all got on really well actually. I think obviously there was one two. I think I worked under four editors on Save the Power. Um, and you know we got on really well with all of them. I went on, I went on holiday with. Mark Ramshaw and, and Jason McAvoy on Sega Power, we all went off together for a week. Nice. So, you know, we were, we were all kind of mates and, you know, we'd hang out in the pub afterwards and, you know, and that was it. You know, you, you spend all day together, you, you kind of get to, you know, either like somebody or dislike them, but generally we were really lucky we had a good team. You kind of you kind of grow to stand up, you know, to, to kind of put up with them, don't you? Like Andy's like, oh, yeah, Dean's all right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. 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 yeah, stick him on the roof rack. Um, but well, Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I saw Andy um, last year, actually. It might, it might have been a year before or two years ago. But I haven't seen Andy for years, Andy Smith. Mm. And um, it was Sammy's birthday, so we all met up in a pub in Bath. And it was great to see him, actually. He's, he's doing really well. I'm glad. It was actually when editing his work. So when um, I think I think I kind of stalked him on Facebook because Paul was friends with him on there. He kind of came up. I was like, Andy Smith. Andy Smith. Oh, that's the Andy Smith. And I just dropped him a message and I said, well, you know, as a fan of Sega Power, and actually editing his interview was odd because I'd, you know, gone through all of those years reading all of that stuff that he'd edited. And I'm there actually sat sort of editing his kind of copy. It was, yeah, it was very odd, but very cool. But yeah, so this is another reason why I love Arcade Attack. And I, I did promise before the, the interview I'd tell you how Arcade Attack came about. So yeah. Arcade Attack wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Sega Power. And the reason being, and an old... Um, the guys who listen to the show will know this from from youngs ago. Was that uh, about must be about seven years ago? I put together all of my Sega magazines, mostly Sega Power, mostly pristine. Put them all together, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I could get about five or ten quid for these each." So I put them on a pile. I was living with my parents at the time, and uh, and then the next morning I can kind of hear some shuffling around, and I wake up, and they're kind of gone. And then I said to my mum, "Mum, where are my Sega mags?" And she goes. Wasn't that recycling? And I was like, no, that wasn't recycling. The magazine's worth a lot of money. The shuffling and everything was my mum getting them out the door before the recycling guys came. So by the time they got down, they were gone. And we're looking at probably about, I must have had about three years worth, 30, 40 mags, all gone. Just like that in the blink of an eye. And then it was just kind of, that kind of like really hit home and I thought, wow, that writing and the, you know, what those guys were trying to get across, you know, I'd love to do that in a blog. I'd love to do my own website, do that in a blog. I started yeah. off as Dylan's Arcade and then it became Arcade Attack. And then Adrian kept nagging me to do interviews. And then here we are. So we did the podcast. Here we are. So, Excellent. and here we are talking. So thank you. You should be so it's a great thank podcast, you. so you should be really proud of it. I think all of no, it. thank you, thank you. I think that the um, the ten people who listen to us love it, so that's it. Just for those guys, for those Patreon guys, that's it. Those, those are the guys who listen to us. Um, but yeah, Sega Power, great. You know, I think if anyone can pick up a copy on eBay or anything, yeah, again, go pick up a copy of that. Uh, so Saturn Power, yes, Saturn Power, Saturn Power, the mm. ill-fated Saturn Power. Mm. Um, was that? I mean, the curtailing of that. I mean, it was only ten, eleven uh, um, issues long. Was the curtailing of that because of the demise of the Saturn, or was there something? Was it something else that, that you know the plug got pulled? Uh, purely that, really. I mean, it, it's because I, I pitched. I said, well, "Look, we should rebrand the Saturn Power. We should redesign the mag, mm-hmm. and go with a, a, a 
a demo disc. Mm-hmm. And, and I suggested that because at that point, the third-party software lineup was still pretty strong. So mm-hmm. I contacted all the third party because you couldn't get anything first party or, or very little. Yeah. So you have to go third party. So I contacted them and I had a whole list and I said to the publishers, look, we've got 10 discs booked in. We said, these yeah. people said we can have this one. We had, we had the first, almost the first year already to go. We wow. confirmed. They said, yeah, you can have that. You can have that game on that slot. Yeah. Um, so they were like, yeah, okay. So a bit of a no brainer. So we did the first one and the, the, the demise of the Saturn's third party development was so quick. Mm. It was, it, they were dropping off almost daily, certainly weekly. Wow. Um, so the games that we had booked in, so we had the first one, um, well, the first two, we had those booked in. They did Gremlin one and the other one I can't remember. Oh, no, Pandemonium, wasn't it? Mm. So we had those those two were, were, were good to go. The, the one that was on issue three dropped out. I can't remember which one it was, unfortunately. Wow. Um, but So we did a, a music CD. Um, and, and then... We had obviously Wipeout, which was quite a good one. Yeah. Um, and then that was it. That was it. That was the last one because it was, you know, it just dried up all, all, almost overnight. That is just, it's just mad. I think we, it's, I love it. I mean, the Saturn, I do love it mm. now. But back in those days, I had a PS1. I had, I had a PS, I had a PlayStation. Mm. And I remember we were, I was around Keith's house. And we were playing FIFA 98, so FIFA Road to World Cup 98. And I remember telling him, I'm like, why does the net not move? So when you score a goal, the Saturn or that version of it, it was just completely rigid. Whereas like the PlayStation, you're like, when the ball hits the back of the net, it kind of waves and that. And I was like, what is up with that? And then ever since then, it just got, you know, for me and then our little click, Keith stayed true to it, to be fair. But all of us were just, you know, PlayStation boys, and then you know, um, some couple of us got the Dreamcast and then PS2. But you know, what did you think of the Saturn when when it first came on your desk, and when you realised that you had to change direction and kind of, you know, follow it? What what did you think of it, and why was it, you know, why why was it so dwarfed? Do you think by the by the PlayStation? Well, they they, they missed just the market in the sense that they were carrying on down the two D route, and Sony were obviously going no, it's three D. And here's the mm. machine that can do that and do it very well. So it's sort of a bit of a last minute kind of oh crap, we better we better boost it up a bit. Which is mm. why as you know the Saturn is, is a fantastic 2D machine. If you want mm. to play a shoot 'em up or you want to play a beat 'em up, it, it, there's nothing to touch it. It's just mm. on 3D, it can get a bit clunky. Um but having said and also it was a it was a nightmare to develop for. Every mm. developer I ever spoke to always said it's it's absolute hell. It's, it's an absolute nightmare to, to work on. And Sega mm. were quite careful about what, what development tools they release to third-party developers. They kept yeah. some of the best stuff in themselves, which I kind of get, but equally it meant that the third-party stuff never kind of reached its full potential. Mm-hmm. But then you see a game like Sega Rally and you play things like Sega Rally and Virtual Fighter 2 mm-hmm. and Fighters Megamix, and mm-hmm. you go, well, that, this is what it can do. This is yeah. when, you, when you've got the team writing behind it. Mm-hmm. These are the sort of games it can make, and they are great games. They're mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant games. Um, so it was a real shame. But I, I just think, and also things like 32X and Meg CD, I mean, they had limited popularity in some areas, but I think the problem was that 32X especially, I think people thought they, they, they lost a little bit of trust with Sega. They were like, well, yeah. we're not quite sure about this. Yeah. Uh, and, and unfortunately, Sony had the marketing. They had, they had the, the, the yeah. And they had things like Wipeout and they were playing yeah. PlayStations in nightclubs. And whereas Sega before made Sonic, made the Mega Drive and the Genesis cool, 
Um, yeah. Sony then took their lead and, and made the PlayStation One the, the cool machine to have. Yeah. Um, whereas I think in some ways Saturn was a superior machine, and, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I would I play more Saturn games now than I do certainly do PlayStation ones or PlayStation One or Two ones. Yeah. Because the games that I like to play are, are, are Saturn only. So yeah. Yeah, no, I love it now. But again, mm. at the time, I missed it. I missed all of the two D games. You know, mm. we're too busy focusing on sort of the the shortfalls uh, of the of the three D games to really appreciate the Saturn for what it was. You know, and yeah. uh, so things like uh, like Layer Section and Raiden mm. Silver Gun and good too good too like two D shmups, obviously with layers and things should have got that kind of exposure over here, but they didn't. So it was just always like comparing like, oh, the PlayStation is better at 3D. And and that was that really. But I love it. I love the Saturn. Yeah. And then I love the Dreamcast after. Do you reckon you would have started a Dreamcast power? Do you think if that, if their Saturn power was still going, you would have still done, you would have done a Dreamcast power? I guess so. I guess so. But I think I, I, I was a real fan of DC UK. I'm, not, I'm just saying that because mm-hmm. Neil's obviously yeah. I, I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it was a brilliant Mac. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But I like I like the size of it. I like the look of it, and I like the design. And um, so I, I kind of thought, well, I don't know whether we would have done anything quite as good as that, anyway. So I think you know they they did the right thing, and, they, and it worked obviously for a while. Um, you know, sometimes I'd have enough pocket money to buy two mags, mate. You know, you could have bought you know, DC UK. You could have had you could have had uh, Dreamcast Power. It would have worked. You know, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, but um, I think I think what. Just briefly go back to Saturn before I bore you mm. completely rigid. I think what, what's interesting now is that a lot of the hardcore gamers, the people that are stuck with it, they're the ones that are playing the Saturn games mm. rather than playing the PlayStation games because the games with the longevity, the ones that are the most interesting and playable, are on Saturn. So that's why, like you say, the, the shooter much you mentioned are still yeah. being played now. Mm-hmm. Um, or Sega Rally is still being played now and things yeah. like that. Um, I was talking to the guy, I don't, do you know Overjump, the guy who's doing the PC version of Sega Rally? No. <laughs> oh, you, have to, you, have to, you have to check okay. that out on, um, on Twitter. I, I was talking to him earlier on. Yeah. And he's basically recreating the first stage of Sega Rally in, in you know, the latest whatever wow. it is. Wow, okay. PC. And it looks it looks staggering. I'm listening. Okay. Yeah, find it on Twitter because it really is worth it. There's no videos, but it's just kind of working on still images at the moment, and, and it looks yeah. astonishingly good. And you can't imagine necessarily doing that with something like Ridge Race or anything like that. It's because it's I'm giving, somebody may have done it already. I, I don't can't say that, but um, it's the same. You could. Right it would just look that. like yeah, it would just look like Tokyo, I guess. They're just like oh look, you're driving around Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to see that. Okay, right. I'll get I'll get you the details yeah, of that. Definitely check it out because it is really yeah. and it's an long. He posts regularly, and he's kind of hoping to get it sort of finished by the end of the year. Yeah. It's a, like I said, it's a PC thing. So, um, yeah, be, I can't wait to see that running. It's going to look staggering. Isn't it? Get it on there. Get it on there. So, okay, you mentioned them earlier. I'm glad you mentioned them, actually. What did you first think of the Mega CD when it when when it came in the door, when they said, all right, Dean, well, Sega have got a new gizmo. It's going to give you a bit more memory, but it's still 16-bit. Have a go. Have a go at this. I remember liking it because it was kind of the whole FMV thing. Mm-hmm. You, had, you had the Mode 7 effect, that Mode 7 style thing was kind of in yeah. the But also you had the FMV. And I remember thinking, okay, well, this could really open things up a bit. This could make games, you know, mm-hmm. a bit interesting. It could, it could mm-hmm. be the next stage, really. And some of them work quite well. And um, mm-hmm. I remember playing Night Trap and thinking, oh, no. 
But um, did you ever complete it? Do you ever get to the end, or was it just too much for you? Do you know what I did? I did because I I I was lucky enough to go over to America to speak to the guys who digital pictures, the guys who made it, and yeah. focus on some of the, the following up follow up games. So um, I kind of made sure that I had completed it just in case. Um, but it was, um, you know, we, we, we were optimistic because we were obviously we were fundamentally gamers at heart. It was kind of interesting and it was something that you think, well, at least, you know, Sega trying this, you know, they're trying to do something yeah. new. Um, and some of the games look good and some of the games are quite interesting. So we thought, okay, we, 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 we got behind it. We were quite yeah. enthusiastic. 32X. The 32X, yeah. What was that? Yeah. I like that as well, actually. Going back through the 32X catalogue has been a joy. So, But again, at the time, it just seemed a bit of a rip, really, how much it was. And obviously, towards the, the, late, the later in its life, you could have got it for tuppence. But, yeah. I wish I bought them all up. <laughs> yeah, they're worth a lot of money now. Yeah. Um, yeah. We can't, again, we started off optimistically, and there were some good launch titles with it. Mm-hmm. Again, we, after, it wasn't long before we started thinking, oh, this isn't going to this isn't going to work. Or, this isn't going to ride. This isn't, isn't going to be a sustainable thing for long. Um, so you knew that. So as soon as it sort of came in, the whole mm-hmm. team at the Sega Power knew that, yeah, Sega were clutching its straws a little bit. Well, again, you can think, well, it's, it's, it's rather than focusing on, on the next generation, it's, it's trying to boost up the, the, the current one. Mm-hmm. Whereas, obviously, rather than doing that, they should have been plowing everything into the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, again, we, we kind of thought, I think so, it's okay. Well, it, you know, initially we thought, this, this could be interesting. And it, but like I said, it, it, it clearly, it quickly became apparent that it, you know, it wasn't going to, it was just a stopgap. And it, I, I think there was, I can't remember what the, the time frame was between the 30 steps being launched and the Saturn coming out in Japan, but it was, it was quite mm-hmm. short, wasn't it? It was quite a painfully short amount of time. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, I think um, it was like months, yeah. So people are like, well, I'm not going to buy that because I'm going to buy that. So <laughs> <laughs> obviously, yeah. it was. Do you, do you think Sega? Do you think Sega were a little bit too ahead of their time? I mean, you've got that. I mean, you've got the. You know, they were one of the first ones to get um, sort of CD storage for games. You've got, you know, the 32. They were 32 bit pretty much. Mm-hmm. They had the Sega Channel. They had the Dreamcast. Had um, internet capabilities. Do, do you think they were just a little too ahead of their time? To be, you know, to be successful as rather than they are a software company now, and obviously that's what they're focusing on. But do you think they're a bit ahead of their time as a hardware company? That's a good question. Um, I don't know really. I, I, I did they always allow you? So whenever something came about, you know, obviously you had the, the Sega and Nintendo news, but did the Sega news always wow you as a, yeah, as opposed to the Nintendo news? Well, obviously they had the arcades, so there was that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Of, if you if you saw a game coming out in, in the arcades through Sega, the, the reality was that you knew that at some point in eighteen months' time, we were really playing it at home and, and very often a decent conversion. So that was always they always had that angle to fall back on, and they always had that mm-hmm. the arcade heritage, yeah, which obviously helped a lot. And and you always got the feeling Sega were kind of you know they they, they knew about games and they knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly more than the hardware, I don't know. But um, but the Dreamcast was a fantastic machine. I was never quite understood why that didn't do better than it did because it it answered so many of the questions, the problems with mm-hmm. the Saturn. You know, it was easy to develop. It looked yeah. fantastic. It was online. It was actual arcade quality, and I think mm-hmm. yeah, it was. Uh, some of the games were even better on it than in the arcade. So something like Soul Calibur mm-hmm. was better on the DC than it than it was in the arcade. So. Yeah. I know. If they had it, they had basically the arcade in your home, 
but it only sold nine million units. Crazy. Crazy. It is, yeah, it is such a bizarre thing. Uh, you know, do, I don't, I don't suppose this question has ever come across, but you know, uh, across, across your thoughts. But do you wish that Sega was still making hardware? Do you wish that there were uh, Xbox, um, PlayStation, Nintendo, and Sega still there, or do you think they're sort of best consigned to the to the nineties? No, I, I kind of wish they were. Really, to be honest, I think, I think, I think. By now, with their experience, they kind of would have given us something a bit kind of interesting. Hmm. I admire Nintendo the way they release their machines because you never quite know what you're going to get, and it's usually quite uh, original and impressive. And things mm-hmm. like the Wii, and although the Wii U didn't do incredibly well, it was original and it was it was trying different things. And of course, as we know, the Switch is is a phenomenal piece of kit. It's a great little machine. Mm-hmm. So I admire them because while in some ways, this, the, the Xboxes and the, and the Playstations are quite traditional games machines. Nintendo are always the ones that are kind of doing things a little bit differently, and I like that. I think Sega would probably fit, fit in a nice little gap somewhere in between the two, I think. I don't know if they had carried on producing hardware. Did you ever think in the 90s that you'd be playing Sega games on a Nintendo console? Uh, no. <laughs> It was. It was. I think Mark described it as, as being a cold day in hell when and someone came to <laughs> came to Nintendo. It is just. It's the weirdest thing, isn't it? It is the. It is the the, the strangest, strangest thing. But that's where Sega are now, and I think it, they do. You know, there's a nice bit of chunk of you know games and things that you guys can cover for Sega Powered, and you know, really looking forward to to you guys covering all of that. Uh, what makes? Why do you think we're still talking about Sega? Ninety Sega. 25 years ago what was sort of special about what makes sega special for you why you know why why have you now gone back into the the pit the bear pit as it were of um sega mags you know um well sega powered is sega powered obviously because of the team because three of us are very ingrained in sega universe neil and myself and mark mm-hmm. i mean um so it kind of had to be sega it can be anything else but uh, I think it's the games, really. It's just, it's just that what we were saying before about the kind of last ability and the playability of them, in the sense that they're still enjoyable mm-hmm. uh, decades after they were released. And I, yeah. I don't know whether we'll be saying that. We certainly, I don't think we're saying that with a lot of the sort of early PlayStation releases. I don't think mm-hmm. I have that interest and in, in kind of desire to play them. But um, things like, well, Sonic, obviously. I mean, um, I'm not the biggest Sonic fan in the world. I like mm-hmm. Sonic. <laughs> I like it, but I, there's other games I prefer more. But I, but having said that, I loaded it up and I hadn't played Sonic One in a long, long time. And what struck me immediately was just how good it still is, how playable mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. um, how good it still looks. The graphics yeah. have a very unique style and it's fast as anything. Um, and you just didn't have games like that on Nintendo, not very many anyway. And yeah. it's it's mm-hmm. um, I think that's kind of why we are really. It's it's just because of the just because of the amount of the sheer volume of, of quality titles. That's so good. Did you ever play any of the later Sonics? When when did you stop playing Sonic? Have you stopped playing Sonic? Do you have you, have you played every single one since since Sonic? Um, I kind of stopped. I, I, I played Sonic Adventure. And I like Sonic Adventure. I mm-hmm. kind of it slowly kind of dried up, dried up a little bit after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Sonic Mania is a very good game. I think that's that's oh, yeah. um, that's just clearly a love letter to the to the to the um, to the heritage of the yeah, character and, and the developers. 
And I love the fact that you kind of play through level and it's a boss stage. You have a game of Mean Bean Machine. I thought, well, that's just such yeah. a nice touch. It just yeah. really works really well. Um, so I've really enjoyed playing that. Um, and I think Sonic 2D is kind of where it works best. I think Sonic 3D, mm-hmm. a lot of the time, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. I remember picking up one of them, and I can't remember which one it was. But I kind of started a level. It was, it was literally playing on one of the games machines at Future Publishing, and I picked up mm-hmm. the controller. I said, well, have a go. And I remember pushing forward on the controller at the start of the level, and I don't think I did anything until it got to the end. I <laughs> just slightly left and right. I didn't have to press any buttons. It just hit speed ramp up, speed ramp. And I thought, well, that's to me, that's not that's a proper game. It's interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um, but the earlier Sonics, um, it did what they, they were designed to do, which was create a character that was cool um, and marketable for Sega. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, it was a hugely playable game, which, mm-hmm. you know, you, you talk to Neil uh, on the magazine. I mean, I, it was just literally one of the first times we kind of talked about the mag. I said, mm-hmm. what is it for you that you love about Sonic? And he went into this long story, which is lovely, about why Sonic is quite is so special to him. And he really loves mm-hmm. the games. And I thought, okay, well, that's I get it, I understand it because he has that love and he grew up with it, and it's 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 a character he's he's sort of at the start of game, and that's what he grew up on. Mm-hmm. So um, that's probably a very long answer to uh, probably was a very short question. No, <laughs> so, perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> Sorry, about that, that's exactly what we think about him. I and mean, you know, Sonic is a big part of us. Mm-hmm. We've got a Sonic episode as another little teaser for our listeners, our viewers. We've got a little Sonic tribute. Uh, podcast coming up in the next couple of weeks so he turned 30 and we completely missed it i think we were still on hiatus <laughs> so we were just yeah. like oh oh did sonic turn 30 okay all right we missed that okay we'll do something we'll do something later in the year so we have done so yeah yeah we do. We do. we're gonna we're gonna do something for the first issue because obviously again we missed we missed the anniversary <laughs> and you yeah. can't you can't let 30th anniversary go by without some mention anyway so we'll no you know life life ends at 30 doesn't it? Is that what they say? Certainly hope not, because I'm 20 <laughs> odd years past that. Then. <laughs> oh, same, same, same. But, you know, I wonder if we'll, in, in 20 years' time we'll still be, you know, sitting around chatting about Sonic, probably. I hope probably. so. I hope so. I think the, the problem is when you get to the age where your reflexes start to go and you can't quite do it as well as you used to. <laughs> That's danger. Um, and I can still get a decent time on on, on the desert track on, on Sega Rally, so I'm quite happy with that. So I'm oh, still nice. there, but um nice. Yeah, love a yeah. bit of the desert. Yeah, love the desert track. Yeah, it's such a good game. It is such a good game. Um, but yeah, you know, Deep, it's been great chatting to you. It's been slightly surreal, obviously, you know, you're you're responsible for a large chunk of my of my growing up, but you know, it's been it's been really good chatting. We do ask all of our interviewees one question, I suppose you would have cottoned on in some of the other ones before before you go. If you were to have a drink or go out for drinks with any video game character, who would you choose and why? I should have prepped you for this before. I didn't realise. You should have. As, as soon as you said that, as soon as you said the question, I thought, oh, yes, I have heard that before. I just didn't, didn't <laughs> prep it. Um, oh, my gosh. If, if, on any format? Any format, so any video game character, who would you go? I mean, it might not necessarily be... Um, the funnest night out? Maybe if you wanted to know something about someone or, you know, uh, predictably, a lot of our interviewees have said Lara Croft. I mean, no, I probably would as well, you know, hands up, hands up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I it could be fun, but he'd be too busy talking about himself. I'm like, come on, mate, you know. The one that, the one that pops into my head, and I, I have no idea why it's Duke Nukem. 
Duke Nukem. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. it would be an odd night. It would be quite an experience. I think you might feel a bit weird the next day. You, you might have sore head and a few limbs missing, but I don't think it would be an evening you'd forget. We do know. I think. I think we've interviewed John St. John, who does the. Um, who did I the voice room. So we've got his email address somewhere. We can hook you guys up. You guys, we can make that happen. We can make that happen. You going out with Duke Nukem? Did but, you get? Did you get to do some sound clips for you? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, they'd love it. They would love it. They'd love it. Um, but no, thank you very much, Dean. You're yeah, great answer. Um, good luck with Sega Powered. Thank you. Like I said to all our our viewers, our listeners. Please check the notes. Go and back it. Back it now. Make sure they get past that that goal. Um, Dean, was there anything else you'd like to tell our viewers, our listeners before you before you before you go today? Uh, gosh, um, no. I mean, obviously, go to the Kickstarter page. Have a look through. We put a lot of information up there for you. Yeah. Um, in the actual read the comments, we've got the dummy issue, which is a digital dummy issue, which we put again put a lot of time in. The social um, media, so it's at at Sega Powered. Yeah. I think is it yeah, on Sega Power, yeah. we've got on Twitter and um, Facebook. Um, and we're all on there, you know, Mark and myself mostly, I think, and Paul went, you know, as well. We're always, there's always somebody lurking around. So if you need to know anything, if you want to know anything about the mag or anything at all, please just drop us a line and we'll get back to you very soon. Perfect. Thank you very much, Dean. No thank you very much, listeners. Thank you very much, viewers. I hope you've enjoyed our slightly new format. Uh, we'll get Adrian back next week. Don't worry. This will be a one-off from me. But, um, yeah, from me, from Dean, good night. Thank you. Good night. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. You can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash UK. Check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots more retro gaming goodness and to delve into our archives. Our podcasts are also available on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review and a rating, we'd really appreciate it. If you'd like to support Arcade Attack, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash arcadeattack, which will give you access to exclusive podcasts, interviews and other bonus content. So... Until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.